Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for another week. We've had a full round of NBL action in round three to look back on and and, and for the first time in a couple of weeks, a, a couple of days to look back on and then to get ready for another round. So a few days in between rounds three and four, which is always always nice just to just to dis, dissect and and digest what, what we've been seeing so far. So a full show here once again this week on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Of course, I'll be joined by my co-host, The Scoring Machine, once again. And and then, thanks to Boomerang, we'll have the Demo Award with Damian Martin as he gives us his thoughts on all of the best defensive work in the NBL and later on our Tab Touch preview with Manny Knight as well. So NBL championships galore that I'm working with here on the show. So I'm very honoured by the company I'm keeping. I'm Chris Pike and time to get to my co-host, The Scoring Machine, Sean Redditch. How's lockdown in Perth treating you this week? Yeah, a little bit different. Uh, all ready to gear up and get out on the basketball court, teach some kids uh, some new skills, but uh, that's going to have to be put on hold for a little bit of time. But let's hope it's only a uh, one-week, five-day lockdown and we can get back to some bit of normality next week. Things are looking good at the moment. Things thrown into a little bit of chaos in Western Australia this week, Sean. We we are the ones in, in lockdown now, and we did get through a game on Friday night, and it was quite an eventful game against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix for the Wildcats, but then Sunday against the New Zealand Breakers didn't happen, and this Friday against the New Zealand Breakers won't be happening either, and the Wildcats won't be back in Perth for, for at least eight weeks now until the end of the NBL Cup. That means your game on Friday night that you're on TV will be the last for a, for a little while. Obviously, the New Zealand Breakers... <laughs> they're the they're the hard luck story of this NBL season. But how do you, how do you feel the Wildcats will handle handle having such a, an extended time on the road now that they that they've already left? They're heading to Melbourne, and that's where they're going to be for a long time. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think you know everyone is going to have to kind of put in some hard yards at some point during the season, and I think the Wildcats uh, it's going to hit them a little bit earlier than some of the other teams. The thing I probably have going for them is other teams are going to be in that same boat. So they're going to be in that, that bubble as well with the other teams. So they're kind of all going to be mm. in the same scenarios. There's not going to be a huge advantage. Although being away for eight weeks, that's uh, not real conducive to, uh, to playing, playing your best basketball on a, on a weekly basis. But, you know, it's... Uh, it's something that's just going to have to happen. I think everyone's going to have to have uh, some tough, tough scenarios. And, uh, you know, if you would say one team would have to, you know, go through all this, then you think it'd be unfair. But if everyone, I think everyone's going to be in that same boat at some mm-hmm. point this season. And so it's going to be just something you kind of get the feeling they're just going to have to figure out a way, you know. You're not going to make it fair. It's not going to be an easy road. They're just going to somehow have to complete the the season, and that's that's just the scenario that we're in in the current environment. Yeah, I think so. I think wherever you can play a game, you just rack up as many games as as we can. And if you end up playing an uneven amount of home and away games this season, I, I just think we have to have to accept that in in this environment. And and we can look at the NBL Cup being an advantage for Melbourne United and for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. But I mean, you look at the Phoenix and. As, as you might have heard on our bonus show with Adam Gibson here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, if you've tuned in this week, um, he'd been away for a month. The Phoenix had been away for a month. Melbourne have spent their time on the road as well. So, like you said, every team's going to be going to be experiencing it. Um, how do you think you would have handled it? You were, you were a, a husband and a, a father of two, obviously, for pretty much your whole career here in Perth, Sean. How would have you handled having to go away for, for eight weeks, given, given those circumstances? Yeah, it would be tough. I don't think it's an easy thing. I mean, I kind of did experience it a little bit when I would go to Puerto Rico some yep. years. Um, although sometimes, you know, my wife and, and the kids, they were with their family back in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit more support. But there were some years as well where they stayed here. So it would would have been tough. I think, you know, you look at the Wildcats and they've got quite a few 
players with kids, Jesse Wagstaff, mm-hmm. Bryce Cotton, Clint Stondold. So there, there's a number of the, yeah, there's a number of dads there that I think make it uh, it's going to make it tough, and uh, you know it's just it, it's part of I guess the scenario that you're in, but it still doesn't make it easy, and uh, you know just knowing that now they're going to have to be almost in lockdown for another two weeks outside mm-hmm. of when they go train and when they play. Yep. You, you know, they almost literally just got out of lockdown as well. <laughs> so uh, a full month of being basically either at home or in a hotel room or mm-hmm. playing basketball um, is going to really test their their uh, their mental capacity to handle something like that. So I think there's going to be games where they're just going to have be off. And I think there's going to be times where, uh, you know, hopefully they can um, they can play up to the level that they're capable of. But, you know, I think as the, the term as the NBL has used, expect the unexpected, I think that's what's going to happen this entire season. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there's plenty happening in the NBL world right now for us to talk about, Sean. Um, first thing I want to talk about, you were there live last Friday night for the Wildcats and the Phoenix game. Um, it was a pretty remarkable game in... In a lot of ways, um, let's get let's get to the finish first because this is this is awkward for us to talk about because both of us know Jesse Wagstaff so well and we're both both so fond of him and it's it's difficult to talk about. Um, the the last play that the Wildcats um, ran was was absolutely perfect. It was, it was a great play call by Trevor Gleason and the players executed perfectly. Obviously, Mitch Craig left Jesse Wagstaff to go and double team Bryce Cotton, which you probably think he's a he's a pretty good move because Bryce, there was every chance the ball was going to him and and Jesse had the the, the perfect look at the basket. Um, what did you make of that last play and could you believe your eyes when when you saw the result? Well, it was it was almost it just felt like the play happened in slow motion. Mm-hmm. I, I was on the other end of the court just watching and and I saw it kind of develop. I knew when Jesse went to go set that flare screen for Bryce, he was going to slip it. And a lot of times that's open because of the attention that Bryce gets. Um, and we know, you know, over his couple of years now, he's he's pretty clutch. He's been able to yeah. knock down some some huge shots. And you just saw it. it. It just it was almost like the parting of the Red Sea. Jesse was so wide open. He just, lo- I mean, to be that wide open for a game-winning play, uh, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, mm. it just—I uh, think it surprised everyone in the in the stadium. It surprised Jesse, and uh, un, you know, just just in that moment, I think uh, it was you know unfortunate that he missed. I mean, he was—you and I know that you would make ninety-nine out of a, a hundred yeah. of those. And probably ninety nine out of a hundred with his eyes closed, yeah. and uh, on the moment. And and the thing that is interesting as well is he's so usually calm and collected. The moment never phases him, and uh, and he played great. I thought he played no, really he well. Outside of probably Bryce and John Mooney, he was the Wildcats, uh, you know, best player out of those two. So he he played outstanding basketball, and um, you know, for his sake, unfortunately, miss missed that shot and. Um, you know, the Phoenix got to be thinking, you know, that was their first time they've beaten the Wildcats in their yeah. history. So, uh, what a way to get a win kind of, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they'll take it, I'm sure. But it was, uh, you know, the, it, the, the, the stadium was very quiet after that game and, and I'll give credit to Jesse as well. He handled it pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I would have been, I would have been um, a, a bit of a wreck compared to, you know, he got right back up, went over and shook the Phoenix hand. So it was, you know, as bad as you, you felt for him, I thought he handled it extremely well and it handled it like a, a captain would. So, um, but, you know, I'm sure it, it, it hurt him to be, miss yeah. that shot, especially as well as he played all, all game. It's just such a shame. I mean, the first thing I thought about was what a what a story it would have made had he, had he made the shot, it was the same night where he equaled Andrew Vlahol's 349 games with the Wildcats. His next game was going to be his 350th milestone. It's he would have been, he would have stayed undefeated as as captain in his first season as captain. It's just such a shame, wasn't it? I mean, everything everything was there to to make it such a mem- memorable moment. Yeah, and give credit for Phoenix for fighting back. You know, when Bryce yeah. hit that. Uh, 
and one three. I mm. thought the game they had it really. Um, then Adam hit that clutch, clutch three in the corner. Um, so and, and then Kiefer Socks, you know, just they just hung around and, and credit to them. You know, they were without Adam Gibson, who I thought was. The first game uh, that they played against the Wildcats, especially the first half, he was their best player. So they were down some we bodies. Him by having him on as a bonus show here on the show, we we talked to we talked to him about how good his body was feeling, and we jinxed him. Yeah, and and the interesting thing is, uh, there was no lead up to it. Um, the injury, they uh, mm-hmm. you know he tried a fitness test before the game, and he actually still had his uniform on during the game, which I thought was interesting. Maybe. There was a small chance he could get out there if, yeah. if they absolutely needed him. I don't know. But um, I thought uh, usually when they scratch you from the game, you, you don't come out there in your uniform. Yeah. But um, I guess they've been on the road for a month. Maybe he didn't have any clean clothes. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, interestingly, he didn't suit up on two days later when they were in Bendigo against Melbourne. So um, maybe once he was ruled out of Friday, they knew that he wasn't going to be able to play at all that weekend. Plenty of ass happening across the league as well, Sean. Um, two of the biggest signings in the offseason were Scotty Hobson going to Melbourne United after playing so well at the New Zealand Breakers last season, and Lamar Patterson, who had had two great seasons, and we talked a little bit about him last, last week at the Brisbane Bullets, and went to the Breakers, obviously, now this season. So they're round three performances. Um, Patterson against the 36ers, he went 0.06 shooting, and he played less than 15 minutes. And then I was really looking forward to seeing how he would bounce back against Perth on Sunday, but he, he didn't get that get that chance. And then Scotty Hobson against the Phoenix in Bendigo on, on Sunday, he went zero points as well. Zero of eight shooting from the field, and he played almost 24 minutes. Um, I, would have, I would have had these two guys in my top five of MVP calculations coming into the season. Why haven't they not clicked at their, their new clubs? Yeah, well, you know, I'm looking at those teams and the clubs that they came from before really relied on them to do a bulk of the scoring. So they had the ball yeah. in their hands quite a bit, but they just haven't really fitted into the system yet. Now, I don't know if it's getting there late, not getting enough preseason games in. Um, you know, we, we know what they're capable of, but, uh, you know, I guess – a little concerning signs for both teams, even though they're still able to get get some wins on the board without them playing great basketball. So that's kind of a worrying sign for the the rest of the league, I guess, outside of mm. Patterson with um, with New Zealand. But you know, you, you got to think that both of them will bounce back at, at some point. They're quality players, but and, and it's you know sometimes you can take for granted the style and the system that a player plays in. Sometimes some styles and systems and coaches suit players and other players don't. And so uh, you can't just say someone that scores 20 points a game for Brisbane is just automatically going to do that for New Zealand or yep. for Melbourne United. And, and, and in Scotty Hobson's case as well, I mean, they've got probably the most talented team in the league. So he doesn't need to score 20 mm. on, a, on a consistent basis. But – you know, you'd probably like to see better than 0 for 8 from the field. I think you make a great point. Cedric Jackson, to me, is the best example of exactly what you said. In that system that he played in in New Zealand, he was one of the best players in the league, and they were unbeatable with him as their point guard. He came over to Melbourne United, and he didn't fit that system at all, and I think he lasted less than a month in the end. So you're right. Sometimes just because you're, you're a great player, sometimes you, your system just doesn't suit the way you play. Well, and coaches always tend to want to go for a known commodity. So, you know, if they've seen a guy play in the league, they know they can produce in the league. But can they produce in the league in your system is another scenario as well that you've got to kind of factor in and find out, you know, what type of character are they? Are they going to be able to bounce back from an 0-8 game? And, And can they fit and play well? with those guys. I know Trevor Gleason would always talk about, hey, I'm it's not necessarily me playing the five best players out on the court. It's playing the five best players that play the best together. And so mm-hmm. if you're uh you know if you're clicking with someone um then you're gonna stay out on the court even though you know there might be someone on the bench that's a better player than you. So I, I think as a player you respect that. You know, if you go out there and you you're doing well and you're doing the right thing by your team and you're making your teammates better, well then you deserve to stay out on the court. 
Yeah, for sure. The Cairns Taipans, we spoke about them last week and I asked if you were concerned when they were one and three. Now we come back a week later, they're one and five. They put in a pretty poor performance at home against the Hawks on last Thursday. They lost by 20, and it was a game they were never really a chance in. And then they lost in overtime two days days later in Brisbane against the Bullets. What do you think of the 1-5 and Taipans? It's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, they started out in Mike Kelly's inaugural season up there. They really struggled at the start, yeah. and they finished with, I don't know, they have four or five wins that first year. Did, yeah. So. Um, but they, they got off last, to a yeah. yeah they got off to a poor start. And then last year, I think they surprised a lot of people, and obviously, um, having three of the better imports in the league definitely didn't hurt. But um, you know, they're not surprising anyone. Everyone's ready for them this year, and they lose DJ Newble as well. So I think there's a lot of different factors, and I thought they could have easily got that game against Brisbane. Not easily, mm-hmm. but they they had their chances, and some clutch shooting from from Jared Kinney got them into the overtime, yeah. but. It's a, uh, you know, that was a great game. It was, it was a fun game to watch. Even if you were uh, a Taipans fan, that was, uh, you know, NBL basketball so far this year. It seems like every game is pretty close. But mm. it's been, uh, yeah, worrying signs. One in five played, uh, I believe it's five at home now, one on the yeah. road. So yeah. they're, um, you know, they're, they're in a dark hole and that they're going to have to try and figure out a way to, to get out of. And uh, they just don't seem to be – on the right page, everyone. I think it's uh, they've disrupted their balance somewhere in there, and they've got to find those right the right balance there. I don't know. Maybe it's putting Jared Kinney and Machado mm-hmm. out there at the same time and play them. Um, you kind of got two playmakers, and then everyone else. I think you know Mike Kelly will try something, but yeah. they've, they've got to make some adjustments there to be able to get back on 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 the right path. Two games this weekend at home to the New Zealand Breakers, which are going to be fascinating to see how both clubs clubs respond. The Sydney Kings, they're still playing some pretty good basketball, but, gee, they're down on manpower. So at the moment, they're still without Xavier Cooks, who they've been without the whole season. Daniel Kickett we haven't seen yet this season. Angus Glover's now going to be out for a little while with a knee injury. And Didi Lozada's going to be out for at least a month as well with with with, it, with an injury. Gee, they're, they've had a horrible run of luck as well. And, and now they've signed someone you're familiar with, Dexter Koenig-Drew, to give them a, a fit body to, to be able to throw out there. Yeah, he's a handy pickup, someone that knows the league. And I think, you know, the Kings will be all right. But to me, the concern will be heading into the bubble with all these injuries because you're going to be playing so many games. You're really going to need your bench to kind of step up some nights and and not rely on your starters playing 35, 40 minutes a game. So um, signing Dexter, I think, is is good for him. It's some, you know, someone that knows the league and, and has a little bit of experience. And look, he can flat out shoot the ball. I don't think he. We've seen the best of what he can produce, but uh, given the right chance, uh, you know, put him out there with with Vasilovich and Casper Ware. Um, you mm-hmm. got three uh, pretty good shooters out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him get another another chance. Probably too good of a player to not be in the NBL. So I'm glad to see him. Get a look in. Three three duos I wanted to get your thoughts on quickly. Sean, we're seeing some duos across some some of the teams that are winning games of basketball, really making a statement. The first one is at the Adelaide 36ers. Isaac Humphreys is the big man, making a hell of a statement right now. And Josh Giddy is the point guard. When they get in a pick and roll, those two have an incredible understanding. And I think, like I said last week as well, they've now added another win since then. Um, they can really take Adelaide places this, places this season. Yeah, they are. And, uh, you know, it's probably no one was really talking about them coming into the season. Mm. I mean, a little bit of giddy. I think there was a lot of hype about him, but Humphreys kind of snuck under the radar there. And, uh, he's been playing fantastic. To me, he's probably up there. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but right up there for, for MVP early on and, uh, definitely most improved. So, uh, you, you know, it's a tough combination. I think with Giddy's height. Uh, coming off that on ball, if you, uh, you know, he can just find Humphreys or he just finds a way to, to get to the rim. So that's a, uh, this can be a tough combination to stop. And then you've got some shooters out there with Daniel Johnson, if he's not involved in that pick and roll. And then 
Law and Sobe, we've uh, probably, they started off round one a little quiet, but now they are, you know, those two guys are the engine of that Brisbane team. So Mm -hmm. they kind of need to lead them and they're doing a great job. They've kind of found that little flow and Law's kind of taken over for where Patterson left off. And, you know, I think that they're uh, starting to find their groove and going to be a tough beat as well. And then you got Harvey and Jessup, just flat out shooters. I love that combination they've got there. Um, Brian Gorgian just has them clicking on all cylinders. It's fantastic. And you got those two who can just score the ball and just put up huge numbers quickly. And then you got Justin Simon that can just do a bit of everything else. I think in terms of bringing in three players from from outside the NBL and outside of Australia, you couldn't have asked for a better a better fit in terms of all of them, you know, having their role in the team, which we have a look at, you know, maybe Patterson and Hobson, they don't know where they fit in their team, but these three guys know exactly what they're they need to do for the Hawks. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting one because, you know, it's a bit of a gamble when you do bring the, the new players in. And to bring three new players and mm. kind of hit a home run with all three of them, that's, uh, that's pretty rare and uh, has to have the uh, Hawks fans pretty excited. Okay, now you touched on it before. Let's get into our player of the year voting thanks to the scoring machine. It's brought to you by by Hoop7, so our Hoop7 Player of the Year here on Basketball Hustle. Now, you've given your votes again, again, Sean, for, for round three. Why don't we start at the bottom? One vote, Kiefer Sykes. He had two pretty good games for the Phoenix, didn't he? Firstly in Perth and then against Melbourne. Yeah, he did. He did it all around. You know, the thing that impressed me was he adjusted his game. He wasn't knocking down his three, so he got to the rim pretty easily. Um, in that game against the Wildcats and to me was kind of set the tone and then allowed the the shots to drop in the second half and, and give him a little bit of confidence as he was um, you know struggled a bit the in the first game against the Wildcats so uh, you know and then and then he took that challenge to Bryce Cotton I mean yep. that steal he had late in the fourth <laughs> quarter um, well, I like have, you asked him straight off the game I've never seen anyone do that to Bryce <laughs> I was just shocked I was right there I was like and it was clean too yeah. so uh you know Bryce had 32 he played fantastic but Kiefer made him work for it and uh took the challenge which uh which you like to see from your your important port guard you know sometimes guys just want to play on one end of the bas- on one end of the court but Kiefer seems to enjoy that challenge and, and took the challenge to guard Bryce. And, you know, that's why I gave him a point. Probably could have, you know, if they had got that win against Melbourne United, might have had a, a few more points. But as you'll, I'll be consistent with my voting as much as I can. I'll go to the uh, the players that, that get their team to win. Yeah, the rest of the votes, I don't think any of these guys suffered a loss in round three. So you are consistent with that. Two votes, Tyler Harvey and speaks for itself. He's gaming for the Hawks against, against the Taipans. Yeah, he's just he's such a tough cover all over the court. He's so quick, um, reads the game, gets his shot off quick, and you really have to respond to him. He's almost like a little Steph Curry the uh, yeah. of the NBL, the way he can get the shot off so quick, little guy, but uh, so uh, so tough to guard. So it really sets the tone for the Hawks and kind of makes everyone else around him better by just his ability to score and create for himself. Okay, now you're three in the four votes. I reckon this would have been... I agree that both of them deserve to be in there. I reckon you would have found it tough to work out who finished above the other. So you've gone three for Nathan Sobey, four for Vic Law. Um, was it tough to decide who got the three and who got the four? Yeah, it was. You probably could have gone three and a half for each. I think they both <laughs> yeah. both played fantastic. Maybe Law getting 11 rebounds mm-hmm. in uh, in the game versus, versus the Taipans. Maybe just gave them a little bit of an an edge in that one, but they're really fun in their groove. And I think Damian Martin talked about it in our preview, just like he thought that Sobe was going to have a breakout year. I think everyone's kind of thought that last year and he was kind of up and down, but he seems to be a little bit more comfortable this year and been handed the keys to, to go make a play. And uh, he, he's definitely living up to uh, expectations. Five votes. I think this one was probably pretty unanimous and second week in a row, he's got your five votes, Sean. Isaac Humphreys is he's making a hell of a statement the way he's playing with the 36ers. Well, it's not just of the offensive side of it either. Yeah. I mean, the blocks, the presence in the middle, I mean, that spin move, double pump, bank shot. I mean, he's just doing it all. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's having a lot of fun out there. Yeah. So credit to him, credit to 
Connor Henry getting him. And, and the, the other thing I like is they're actually playing through him. So sometimes you get a guy who's hot, especially a five man, may not touch the ball. He's actually getting the basketball in spots where he can score. So that's, uh, you know, they've, they've got to like what they're getting from Isaac Humphreys early on in the year. So that leaves our leaderboard for the Hoop 7 Play of the Year Award, Sean. Isaac Humphreys out on top on 10. Tyler Harvey, 9. Justin Simon, 5. Daniel Johnson, 4. Vic Law, 4. Um, coming into the season, I don't think we would have had too many of them guys in the leaderboard. It's been a been a surprising start with some some guys really stepping up. Yeah, then I think, uh, yeah, I don't think you would have had. Maybe you might throw Daniel Johnson in there um, yeah. just with how consistent he is obviously Bryce Cotton. You know, it's a little bit hard as well because some of these teams have only played one or two games, so it's uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, sample size, and you've got other teams that have played you know five, six games. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a tough one early on. I mean, obviously Bryce probably a bit unlucky, thirty two points and almost the go ahead three pointer and one been been fantastic so far. Yeah. But obviously they lost that game, so. Lost, yeah. uh, he didn't. He didn't get any extra points. So, I think you know, and Machado and Cam Oliver. I think they're playing well, but their team's not winning. So it's a um, it's tough to decipher so far. But uh, we'll see how the the year plays out, and I'm sure it'll get pretty close towards the end. I think so too. Okay, that's been a big first segment, Sean. Let's take a deep breath. When we come back, we'll have a we'll have a look at all of the results in a bit more detail from round three of the NBL. We'll have the demo best defensive player update from Damian Martin. Tap Touch preview with Matty Knight, and then we'll we'll finish off by getting your thoughts on the Boomer squad that's been announced as well, and and have a look to, to round four in the NBL. Okay, back on Hoop Seven's basketball hustle. It was a it was a big round three in the NBL, Sean and. We did touch on a couple of the games already last week. The games on Tuesday where the Bullets beat the Kings and Wednesday when the 36ers beat the Breakers. So Thursday night is where we'll start things off. And it was a big win in Cairns for the Hawks. They won 90-70. to Biggest ever home loss for the Taipans under Mike Kelly. Then Friday night, as we've talked about at RAC Arena, last time we'll see a game there for a long time. And it was the Phoenix beating the Wildcats 90-89. to Overtime game in Brisbane on Saturday. The Bullets 105 over the Cairns Taipans 103. Then another good game on Saturday night in Adelaide. And the 36ers made it three in a row. They beat the Sydney Kings 85 to 80. And then on Sunday, Melbourne United in Bendigo beat the South East Melbourne Phoenix 96 to 90. We were meant to have a couple of extra games there, Sean, but, but COVID made sure that those didn't happen. But yeah, what jumps out at you about, about what we saw in round three? Well, it's still early on, but I'll be interested to match this rookie class up mm. with any in recent history in the NBL. I mean, look, let's talk about numbers. Vasilovich, 28 points. Yeah. Wetzel, 17. Jack White, 26. Six rebounds, four blocks. Wetzel had another 14 against the Wildcats. I mean, Jessup, 19. Some of these are impressive. That's not, that's not even including Josh Giddy. And Giddy, I mean, it's it's... It's remarkable. Usually you get one or two, mm. but to have this many, it, it, and and people talk about the NBL being, you know, this is possibly the best we've ever had as far as talent. So they're doing it against the, you know, some great players in a 40-minute game and putting up some remarkable. To me, that's encouraging, one, to the NBL as a league, to Australian basketball as as a whole, and just uh, credit to these rookies coming in and playing with a lot of confidence. It's a, it's a great point, and I, I find it really tough to pick the Rookie of the Year right now. We, we could have an, an all-rookie all team right now, and it's going to be, it's going to stack up pretty well with an, an all-first NBL team if you consider that you've got Giddy, Vasilovic, Jessup, Mojave King. We still can expect some, some things from Jack White is playing un, un, unbelievably. And you got Yanni Wetzel there as well as as your big fella. That's a an all rookie team that would stack up okay as a as an all NBL team. Well, I like what you're thinking. Maybe and maybe the NBL. I don't know if they're listening to Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle, but maybe a little rookie versus the the vets All Star game at the hub at the know. end to kind of give us a, a taste of, of what to come in, in the NBL for years to come. So. 
Um, I, I'd love to see that. I think it'd be a great game. Great idea. Did you always like to, to put the rookies back in their place that the longer your career went? But yeah, you knew who was uh, who when they checked in the game. Um, you might give them uh, a little bit extra attention. Might even tell Damo, "Hey, run, run a play for me." Oh, I never had to tell Damo. He was he knew I wanted the basketball. So, but um, you might go at him and see uh, how they responded. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it would be no different. But you know, some credit to them. I mean, coming out a lot of these kids coming out of college or even early. Um, and putting up some incredible numbers is is impressive. Yeah, absolutely, great point, Sean. And let's take a, take another break on Hoops Evans Basketball. So when I when I come back, I'll be with Damien Martin for the Demo Award, and then we'll race through the Tap Judge Preview with Matty Knight and get his thoughts on the upcoming round of the NBL. And then I'll be back here with the Scoring Machine on Hoops Evans Basketball Hustle. Now it's. It's time for our best defensive player segment, and it's called the Demo. It's the Damien Martin Award. It couldn't be called anything else. We've got the best defender in NBL history joining us here every week on the show. And we are now delighted to announce that he'll be brought to you by Boomerang every single week. Boomerang will be will be teaming up with Damien Martin to bring him here to Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. And if you don't know Boomerang, quite simply, they are the best and the leading supplier of basketball ring systems in Australia. Wherever you are, Boomerang will take care of you. Whether you need a, a basketball set up in your backyard, at, at your school, at wherever you are, whatever facility you've got, Boomerang will take care of you. Dion D'Agostino, a, a great favourite of ours here at the show, a great former player in his own right, the Perry Lakes Hawks in the in the SBL. He's been a, been a successful coach as well. He's a, he's a great, great man and great for, for him to support us here at the show. For me especially, I have a look at my backyard. I try to set up a basketball court and I need, I need, I need flooring. I need, I, need, I need Boomerang to help me with my flooring, and th- that is one of their specialties. They'll supply all of the flooring you need. It'll be high quality. It'll be everything you want to feel under your feet when you're playing basketball, but also it can have whatever markings you want on it, any sort of logos. It'll be easy to install. They can install it for you or supply it ready to be put together. So thanks to Boomerang, let's get on to Damien Martin and the demo for another week. Damo, thanks very much for joining us. Not quite the Sunday you were hoping for. You were hoping to make your your individual <laughs> debut on the microphone. Not only did that not happen, but it might be now months before we see you on our TV screens again. It might be the longest gap between doing your first and second courtside commentary. Mm. Uh, so I did the game, obviously, on a Friday with Shawnee. Reddy's helping me out, and then on Sunday, I was supposed to take the reins and do it by myself. And before you knew it, the... Boys are being told, you know, the game's over, New Zealand can't make it. Mm. So I thought, that's okay, I've got a week between calling games. <laughs> yeah. And then the following Friday rolled around where I was supposed to call the what would have been the back end of a two-game double-headed with New Zealand, which now would have been the first game. Uh, and then instead of New Zealand being able to not make it to Adelaide, the Wildcats players were told to pack the bag. Mm-hmm. They could be hitting the road for eight weeks or more yeah. because of the, obviously, the, well, I was going to say outbreak, but, uh, you know, obviously someone in the hotel quarantine coming down with it and then mm. Perth and, and the southwest getting put into lockdown. So it's been a crazy week since we last spoke and you're right, I've gone from one game potentially having <laughs> three under the belt in the next week to now having one game and the Wildcats are on the road for mm. eight weeks if not longer yeah. and so I'll be enjoying the games from my couch here at home and <laughs> and hoping uh, that I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention and learn from the courtside commentators so hopefully by the time they return I'm much better for it. Now I did notice you were sitting in the crowd on on Friday night, though, with your family, a totally mm. new experience for you. I don't know when the last time would have been that you sat in the crowd at a at an NBL game. Um, what was that like? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Obviously, I know the excitement my four year old in particular gets from a Wildcats game. Mm-hmm. She spends the whole day preparing from it. She, you know, wears a Wildcats <laughs> singlet. She talks about Wilbur. The only poster she's ever had on her wall, even though you know I've been bringing home hundreds of Wildcats <laughs> posters for years, is uh, the cheerleaders poster. Wow. So okay. you got the cheerleaders poster. She's got the Wilbur doll. And she's got a wildcat singlet, and the whole day revolves around tip off. So mm. she she was very excited then to go with her, and then my two year old Bonnie got her own singlet as well. And my wife, it was just a completely different experience because even that first game, because I was commentating, you're listening to Corey and the and the play by play commentators in one ear, and then trying to pay attention to what's going on on court. Mm. Purely as a spectator and as a member of the Red Army, it was nice to sit back, watch. And what was almost an incredible, you know, buzzer beater on the end for a Wildcats win 
you just saw the look of devastation and, and how, how sad everyone was as they were exiting what could have been a huge win but to uh, yeah to see the game from that spectacle hear everything that goes on it was a completely different appreciation of what the players do not only on the court but also what the organisation puts on so it is exactly that it's a spectacle it's mm. not just about the basketball it's about the entertainment that comes with it and I was really impressed with all of it yeah I mean that finish as well I've talked about it with Sean earlier in the show and it's it's awkward for us to talk about because we know Jesse so so well. I mean that that's what makes it a little bit more more awkward because we're we're all friends with with Jesse. I mean, mm. what went through your mind when you saw the finish to the game? So I turned around at that time out and just two randoms behind me said, "What do you think they're going to do?" And they yep. said, "Oh, obviously they'll get in the hands of Bryce." Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, I think they might go to Mooney and and use Bryce as a decoy." Yeah. I had no idea it was going to be a slip. <laughs> I thought it might have been a fake handoff. Yeah. into Mooney taking himself, but obviously hell of a play drawn up. And if you were to tell me or ask me if you could have the ball in two players, one of two players' hands for a game-winning shot, obviously I'm going to go with Bryce because mm. he's been there, done it a million times. Honestly, my second choice for who to put the, the ball in the hands of for a game winner would be Jesse. Yeah. And he's done it time and time again with some big fourth quarters, you know, knocking back-to-back threes down, making clutch free throws. Even during the game, he made some huge free throws, but... In the end, you know, we poor Toddy misses a, a, a shot. You know, we don't get a good look for Bryce. They go down, score. Incredible kick out. Uh, you know, obviously everyone thought with Southeast ball in their hands, going to go to one player, one player only. Mm. Instead, all of a sudden, it's uh, kicked out to Kyle Adnam, who hits a huge three. So, you know, everything from a Wildcats perspective that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And then in the end, like I said, I felt like kicking my stomach knowing how much that would have been hurting him. Mm. But he is the ultimate professional. If someone said that he's incapable of making that shot uh, or he choked or whatever it is, if he gets that same look again, I'll back him to make it. But that doesn't mean it's any easier for him to, to move on from. And normally if you lose on a Friday and you've got a Sunday game, you get that quick turnaround for a bit of redemption. And instead, they've had New Zealand cancelled. Now they've had South East. You know, we couldn't play, and they're on the road now. So Mm. it's going to feel like a long time between games. But I think Jesse, more than anyone, can't wait to get out there on Sunday versus Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're here because of the Damo Award, obviously, the Damien Martin Best Defensive Player Award. And we've got a partner on board to bring it, to make it possible as well. Boomerang is on board to make this award possible. Damo, for, for this season? Exactly. I actually have a boomerang uh, ring and backboard out the front. So Maggie's already a better shooter than I am. That's not <laughs> saying a lot, but she already is. And that's courtesy of the setup we've got here at home. And yeah, I've known Dion a long time. He's been affiliated with the State Basketball League here in WA and, and coaching and playing. And, you know, whether it's the Ellis family or Watto, he's ingrained in the basketball community out here. And I think it was a natural progression for him to get involved in sport um, from a business standpoint. And he's done it through the use of his boomerang so mm. it's exciting that he's on board now with with the podcast and like i said I'm, I'm not saying this because he's just a sponsor i'm saying this because i've had his product for you know two years now so without ever knowing he'd come on board as a sponsor so yeah cheers dion for being involved yeah fantastic thanks dion and i i think he i don't think he thought a lot of me when he first met me i went i went up to him post-match after an sbl game and asked him for a chat and told him who i was but i think gradually gradually i've worn him down and hopefully he he's he, he thinks a little bit more of me now so Thanks to his support, and our votes for, for round three, Damo. Plenty of good defensive performances, and it's going to be a fascinating award to follow this whole season. But our yeah, one, well, our one it, vote, it who, a, who have you gone with? With one vote, I've gone with Jack White. Now, this was a, a really hard one to decide who to give the third, uh, who to include in the top three, but for the one vote in particular, you know, we had some guys who did really well. Vic Law, I think he had five mm-hmm. blocks. Like, he was huge. The, the combination of he and Sobe at both mm-hmm. hands, but... Yeah, I think he finished with five blocks, you know, nine or so rebounds. So it was hard not to give him at least one vote. But I have gone with Jack White. He was fantastic in that Melbourne win. Two Melbourne teams going up against each other, came down to the wire and he produced at both ends. And just, and just did all those little things, not just the rebounding, the things that show up in the box score. But, you know, I thought he was great out there using his width, his athleticism and being uh, yeah, a tough defender and then going out and putting points up at the, the board on the other end. And then the two votes, this man... He did the job on, on Scott Machado and a big win for his team, but he's had a brilliant first first three weeks of the season as well. Yeah, exactly right. And to be honest, he easily could have had votes uh, last week as well, so it was, it, was, it was tough for him to miss out. Justin Simon, so 
the Hawks defender. I think they called him the Bryce Cotton Stopper. Mm. That's what he was named uh, when he was signed and brought out here with Gorge saying there's a big reason he signed him. He's you know, looking forward to potential matchups come finals. And who's going to stop Bryce Cotton? Well, this is your man, apparently, Justin Simon. So I can't wait till those two teams go head-to-head during the regular season in that setup. But the Hawks are flying. They're the hottest team in the league right now, and I'm not sure when they're scheduled to match up with Melbourne United, but that's going to be an absolute blockbuster. So Justin Simon, fantastic job against one of the premier players in the league, runner-up MVP last year, but he took the cookies. And now the next man. He was your tip to win the Damo Award for for, for the season <laughs> coming into it, and, and he certainly lived up to that billing. Having a look at last weekend, he did two incredible jobs on Lamar Patterson and Casper Ware. Yeah, exactly right. And that's why he got the, net, the nod ahead of Simon, to be able to do it in back-to-back games. Obviously, they had the double header. And, you know, for Adelaide 36ers, you are more than excited to have Sunday out there, Sunday depth. You know, obviously, all the talk, you know, currently, I mean, there's talk of Isaac Humphries being a top of the MVP board. Super DJ is obviously having a great year. You've got potentially the rookie of the year in your lineup as well and a future NBA player. So you've got three big names. The person that's kind of just saying about his job and doing it very well is Sunday. So like you said, I picked him to be the Defensive Player of the Year Award winner and if I present the trophy to him at the end of the year on stage, um, then that'll be fantastic. But he was brilliant on the weekend. And guarding, one thing I was really impressed with, he's guarding one through three and sometimes one through four. So, you know, it's six foot two, six foot three, strong, athletic, long wingspan. He is reading the game really well and using his natural attributes to the best of his ability. So he's been brilliant all year. But I thought in particular he was a standout across the board uh, with two games, both of which he stood up for. And not just played his role and did it well, but went above and beyond in shutting down some incredible players in our league. Taking a look at your top four now after those first two lots of votes, Damo, and you got you got Sunday Detch, Isaac Humphreys, Justin Simon, Cam Oliver. That's not a bad top four. <laughs> You're exactly right. That's actually not a bad top four if you can get a fifth player out there to be out there playing at both ends. Yeah, it, it's funny, you know, Sunday you may have said was a defensive stopper. Simon, yes, Humphreys and Oliver have been brilliant. And although they weren't named this week, they've continued their form. Cairns, Cairns is the worrying one. I think I had them in finishing second or third this mm-hmm. year. So heading on the road now, obviously going to have to put together some wins because it's very unlike them to lose in Cairns, let alone string together some consecutive losses. But they've definitely got the playing personnel to be able to do it. It's great seeing Nate Jawa out there. I'd be rolling the ball into him more. He's a hell of a passer. Still capable of putting the ball through the hoop. But, hey, I'm not the coach. They're a great team. They'll sort it out. Uh, they had a good win, and that might be the first of many to come. Absolutely, Damo. Thanks thanks for joining us once again, and we'll be back next week with the Damo. Thanks to Boomerang. Now, just quickly, we've got we've got Sean Reddidge and Matty Knight about to go head-to-head again in our, in our Tactics <laughs> preview. Who, who have you got your money on to come out on top at the end of the season? Out of those two, I know that Sean Reddy has probably spent hours <laughs> of research. He's, there is no such thing as a friendly bet for old Sean. If he's going to do anything, he does it to the utmost of his ability and puts the work in. He probably hasn't seen his wife and two kids <laughs> since the podcast began because of the amount of hours of study he's doing. So there's no disrespect to Matty. I think Matty's more of a just pick up the phone and you tell him who's playing and he'll have a guess, whereas Sean would be putting in the work. Well, we'll soon find out. But thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week, Damo. Cheers, mate. Thanks again, Boomerang. Okay, big thank you to Damien Martin for presenting the demo for this week here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. That was proudly brought to you by Boomerang, so stick with us here every week on the show. And Damien Martin will be presenting his best defensive player thoughts for this NBL season. So that is something, I mean, who else Who else would we go to? He's the best defensive player in NBL history, and we're very lucky to have him on the show, and we're very lucky to have the support of Boomerang. But now it's time for our Tap Touch preview here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. And thanks for the support of Tap Touch. Head to www.tabtouch.com.au. And all, all obviously, there's all of the NBL betting markets you could hope for. All the head to head odds are there. Line betting, margin betting, player scoring betting, everything you could ever hope for to bet on in terms of the NBL is there. But every other sport you can think of as well. And obviously, 
the racing is a Tab Touch specialty. So thank you very much to Tab Touch for supporting us here on Hoop 7's Bicycle Hustle. And let's get deep dive into the Tab Touch preview now with Perth Wildcats legend, NBL legend, 236-game veteran, a world championship winner for the Australian MUs. He was a boomer, a three-time championship winner in the NBL, all-first team member, and widely regarded as the best power forward in the league during his career. So Matty Knight, continue here on the Tab Touch preview on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Okay, very happy to be joined by Matty Knight again for our Tab Touch preview. Did you get some, get much feedback from being back on the show last week, Matty? Were, were some people people did people some people reach out and were they happy to happy to hear from you again? I didn't hear too much, mate. But like okay. I said, I'm not I really follow social media too much <laughs> anymore. So, uh, you know, I'm just glad that uh, you've given me the opportunity to be part of this good show. Mate, we're we're very happy to have you here. Now, we we put out a bonus show with Adam Gibson this week as well. Obviously, he's a he's a Tassie boy like you are, and there's going to be a lot of attention on him going back to to Tasmania next season. He's out of contract, and you know, with the Tasmania Jack Jumpers up and up and running. I haven't had a chance to ask you about this before, so I thought this was as good a chance as any. Um, how happy are you to see a, an NBL team back in Tasmania? I'm ecstatic. Tassie's finally got their own team. Um, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. I wish it had happened about six or seven years <laughs> ago, but um, no, it's great for basketball down there. It's a huge uh, basketball state, and there's a lot of promising up-and-coming juniors down there, so... Fantastic. It gives them an opportunity to, or pathway to get to the NBL. So, no, it's great news, not only for basketball in Australia, but especially for Tasmania. Now, I know you're settled in Perth and you've got, you've got your wife and you've got your four kids and, and you've got a, you've got a nice life set up in, set up in Perth. Um, but you, like we touched on last week, you've, you've started to get involved in basketball coaching. Is there any any desire there to perhaps get involved in this Tasmania team on on your behalf as a as a coach in some way? Uh not at this stage. Mm. No, um, Tasmania is a great place to grow up. Yeah. My wife and I actually had a discussion. She goes, "When we see it's still raining down there in the middle of <laughs> summer, that uh, there'd be zero to chance of heading back to Tasmania." <laughs> but no, um, I'll be definitely following from afar and um, yeah, supporting them, especially if they do come over here. Yeah. And we can attend games. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching them. What about the name? When you grew up, did you did you come across many many jack jumpers? Oh, there's a few jack jumpers in in the backyard, <laughs> but uh, it was an interesting name. Um, one of my mates texted me when it was actually announced. Wouldn't see it and said jack jumpers. I was like, oh, it's an interesting choice, but <laughs> I'd take it over some of the other options they had. The Tassie Trident mm. or. Yeah. It would have been ideal to get the Tassie Devils back. Yep. That's what everyone knows. But yeah. um, I guess a, a fresh facelift would only help down there. Well, it's very Tasmanian, isn't it? It's it's very different, at least. Yeah, exactly. Just finally, before we get to our, our preview for the NBL Round 4, Matty, um, you've got your four <laughs> kids at home. You were looking forward to sending some of them back to school this <laughs> week. How has how lockdown, lockdown treated you this week so far? It hasn't been too bad. We're, my wife and I were all excited on Sunday <laughs> to send him back to school. And then, um, yeah, we get to watch the TV announcement on Sunday night. <laughs> it's another week of school holidays. It was a structural system. But, um, yeah, no, uh, it's been good to get another week with them. Mm-hmm. Who have we got in the background there? Which one is that? Oh, uh, that's Ollie, Mia, Leo, and Ivy. Oh, we got all of them right now. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, they're ready to go outside, that's for sure. <laughs> I, could, I could imagine. Okay, round four now in the NBL, Matty. I really enjoyed your insights into the games last weekend. We get underway Friday night. Brisbane Bullets at home to Melbourne United. Both teams in pretty good form. On tap touch, we got the Bullets 295, Melbourne United 141. I, I probably think it's a bit closer closer than that. Yeah, no, Brisbane the last few weeks has really turned it around. They've got some experienced players up there. It's like one of their imports. It's really starting yeah, to adjust. Lord, to Big Lord and Nathan Sobio, great combination. Yeah, they're playing really well together. It's a great combination. And then, as we said last week, Melbourne United, probably one of the best teams ever put together. Mm-hmm. So they had a tough game against South East Melbourne on, mm-hmm. on Sunday. So even though they're playing 295, I think it'll be a lot closer. You think of Brisbane at home, they may, they may get up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, now we've got a doubleheader on Saturday, and this first one up in Cairns is is fascinating. We talked about the Taipans last week how they were in trouble at one and three. Now they're they're one and five as they 
head back home. And the Breakers, we talked about them too last week. They were in trouble at zero and two, and Lamar Patterson struggles, and they haven't had. They didn't get to play a game with their two games in Perth cancelled. Um, gee, with the Titans on a five-game losing streak, the Breakers haven't won yet. A lot of pressure on both these teams. Yeah, exactly. Poor start of the season. Probably had two these two teams in the, in the top three, yeah. um, top four especially. Yeah. And Cairns going on two on the weekend that really hurts. And as you said, New Zealand didn't get to play. Uh, there's a lot riding on this game. Obviously, Cairns want to end that five-game losing streak, and New Zealand want to get that first win. Cairns can't afford to go one and six. Mm. That's a, that's a big hole to come back from, especially how close the league is. And New Zealand. It's only a matter of time before they start gelling all together. And unfortunately, they hadn't had the opportunity to string many games mm. together as a full team. So I think New Zealand, they're due for a win. First win of the season. So I think they'll be too strong for Cairns. Yeah, I mean, potentially. I mean, that New Zealand team is just, it's chock full of talent. So I think you're right. They're going to click at some point. Also on Saturday, in Adelaide, a rematch from last Saturday night. It was a pretty good game. Adelaide 36ers and the Sydney Kings. We've got the 36ers on a three-game winning streak. They're playing 157 on tap touch. The Kings injury hit, but still playing pretty good basketball. They're $2.40. Yeah, no, um, it was a lot closer than probably a lot of people would have thought, especially yeah. considering the injuries Sydney have and Adelaide's at home. You think um, another week, Adelaide getting a chance to train, that'd be uh, probably a lot bigger margin this week, but mm-hmm. 40's going to have those boys ready to go. There's no pressure on them right now. Yep. Um, obviously, with all the injuries out, people probably expect an easy win for Adelaide, but Sydney will definitely put up a fight, but I think Adelaide is too deep right now. Isaac Humphrey's mm-hmm. front-runner for MVP right now. Him and DJ together playing really good basketball. and I think a lot of people had Adelaide down the bottom half of the ladder, but, hey, they're playing some great basketball and taking um, advantage of all these home games. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next up on Sunday, we've got another doubleheader. It starts first game in Melbourne for the season. We've got the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix against the undefeated Hawks. So we've got the Phoenix 181. That's a very juicy price for the Hawks, two dollars, and they're they're the undefeated team and the on fi- on fire team in the league right now. That's a that's a nice price on Tap Touch. Yeah, no, exactly. That was one of the tips I uh, I had for this yeah. week. Game one of the bets that definitely gave me on the Hawks. Obviously, South East Melbourne had a huge win over here last Friday and then um, backed it up with a, a strong performance against Melbourne United. Probably just fell away in the last few minutes. But, um, yeah, you can't go past the way the Hawks are playing right now. Um, their imports are playing some great basketball. As we said lastly, AJ's probably playing the best basketball yeah. he has in five or six years. So I think um, the Hawks will continue on their winning ways. Yeah, I think so too. Then last up on Sunday... Back in Bendigo again for the second straight week. Melbourne United against the Perth Wildcats. So we've got Melbourne on tap touch 130. The Wildcats are big outsiders at $3.50. Yeah, no, I can't remember the last time a Perth team mm. would have been paying that. Yeah. Um, but I think Melbourne's just got too many uh, weapons for Perth. They've had a pretty tough run for the Wildcats. 14 day quarantine after yeah. the trip to Brisbane. Yeah. And then fly over. WA Sunday night or Monday morning to Sydney and down to Victoria where you're back in isolation again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to take its toll and um, I think Melbourne United's got some firepower right now. Oliver Bryce and the importer playing very well but they need a lot more help. Can't rely on two guys and Bryce, he can't do it all by himself. No. So yeah, I think Melbourne... Yeah, quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Uh, I think so too. Last game of the round, this probably completely depends on what happens on Saturday night. So we've got the Taipans and the Breakers again up in Cairns on, on Monday night. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's almost like a final series yeah. format where you play a, a back-to-back. Yeah, it'll depend a lot on, on their first game, but gives New Zealand a chance to really get back in there. They can win both games. Sure. But if Cairns lose uh, the first game, there's a lot of pressure on them, and you think that has to bounce back. Mm. But you never know what conference is like right now up in Cairns. Last year, there wasn't a lot of pressure on them. They just yeah. went through it so they could play, but everyone's asking this year. So I think New Zealand will go two for two. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that, that would that would make it very interesting coming back next week to talk about the Taipans. But, yeah, I mean, like, like we keep saying, the Breakers have got all the talent in the world. It's going to click at some point. You, you went pretty close with your multi-bet last week too, Maddie, and unfortunately your third one didn't get a chance to come to fruition and it might have might have worked. I mean, the breakers might have come to Perth and put on a put on a show. Have you have you had a chance to ever think about what you might 
like to to put your money on this week? Yeah, no, I'm definitely going the Hawks against uh, South East. Yep. Adelaide against the Kings. And New Zealand against Cairns, the first game on Saturday night. Let me put that in my machine here. That'll pay $314 thanks to Tap Touch with the $50 they've given you this week, Matty. So remember oh, to gamble nice. responsibly, but that'd be a nice earning for, for some charity if we can finally break the duck here on here on the show. Both both you and Sean haven't quite managed to <laughs> to get a win yet. Sean's very competitive, as you know, but I think, oh, we'd, all, nice. I think we'd all like to see you beat, beat Sean. Oh, definitely. Still get one up and Sean on something. <laughs> oh, he, he, it's amazing how competitive he is. Some, something like this, he just... He'll refuse to lose, as you know, but... Uh, oh, he'd be studying everything, too. <laughs> he would be studying it all. Yeah, he, he, he is, absolutely. But I'm backing you in, Matty, so that, that's, let's see how that goes. Thanks to Tap Touch this week. And I had a lot of fun catching up with you again, Matty. Looking forward to doing it again next week, and let's hope we, we pick some winners. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Really enjoying it. Okay, thanks to Matty Knight there for providing our Tap Touch preview for another week. Look forward to seeing seeing his multi-bet for this week, Sean, and seeing what you can come up with as well and seeing if we can, can break the duck here. We're trying to raise money for charity, but we're still stuck on zero after after two weeks. Yeah, well, uh, we're due. That's what I, I said. <laughs> uh, you know, I never missed three shots in a row, right? So uh, no, we're definitely no, due. Often. <laughs> we look forward to that. So check it out Friday morning on the Tap Touch social media accounts, and they'll announce the special multi bets from Sean Reddidge and Matty Knight. Now, your tips quickly for round four, Sean. Starts on Friday night. Brisbane Bullets, Melbourne United. I'm going with United. A uh, hot start to the season for them, although uh, Sobey and and Law are playing great. I think United just have too much firepower and look for Scotty Hobson to come out and mm. um, play up to his potential. Saturday. Boy, do these teams need, need a win. The Taipans and the Breakers. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, I, you just keep picking the Taipans. You just yep. feel like they're going to uh, get over the line, and I think they will, They will. although the Breakers are going to be desperate as well. But... I think the top hands at home in front of their crowd, uh, you got to feel like they're going to be able to, to scrape a win by the breakers. But, uh, you know, don't you can't uh, write that one in for mm. sure at this stage. Both teams uh, desperate for a win. Then later on Saturday, the 36ers at home to the Kings. Yeah, I like the way the 36ers are playing. Kings, obviously, we, we spoke about it earlier, have some injury concerns but uh you know the 36ers just look like they're playing better and better each time they take the court so um i think that's going to hold them in good stead in that one and sunday another double header it starts with the first game in melbourne for the season the phoenix at home to the hawks that's a tough one i think um i'm gonna go with the hawks even though they're on the road they've been on the road for a little bit but uh i just like the way they're playing although i you know I, i'm not real Sure on that one, but I'm just going to go with the Hawks, just the fact that they've uh, going on form. And then also on Sunday, back to Bendigo for Melbourne United against the, the Perth Wildcats. Well, it's been a, a tough week for the Wildcats. Uh, you know, going. My understanding is they haven't trained. We're, we're talking on Wednesday here. They mm. haven't trained since the game on Friday night. So yeah. they had to fly on Monday to Sydney been in basically hotel, getting COVID tested, everything. Just going to arrive in Bendigo on Wednesday. So possibly get a couple days before they, they play in that one. Um, so I, I you think you got to go with United, even though they're backing up on their second game. But I think it's going to be tough for the Wildcats to uh, get uh, out of all those factors that are going against them. The round finishes on Monday. A lot of this will depend on what happens on Saturday, obviously. But the type ends and the break is meet for the second time yeah it seems like that's the uh the go it's going to be you're going to play the same team twice in a row and just try and get as many games again but i'm, I'm going to go with the taipans again i think they're in desperation mode they need some wins and being at home they they've uh you know they're, they're a little bit more comfortable there so i think they'll they'll get things on track and and get back into uh the race on the ladder okay so that's round four that we've got to look forward to in the NBL. Now, before we wrap up here on the show, Sean, 
the Boomers have announced their squad for the Olympics. Let's hope that it ends up happening later this year in Tokyo. So let me read out the squad, and then I'll get your thoughts on it. So the players from the NBL right now included Dengadel, Xavier Cooks, Mitch Creek, Josh Giddy, Chris Golding, Isaac Humphreys, Jock Landale, Mitch McCarron, and Mitch Norton, the current NBA players, Aaron Baines, Matthew Delavadova, Dante Exum, Josh Green, Joe Ingles, Will Magnay, Paddy Mills, Ben Simmons, and Matisse Thibel. It's a bit of a surprise, but he has declared he wants to play for Australia, so, so good on him. And then the players from outside the NBA or NBL, so either Europe or, or the G League right now, Ryan Brokoff, Nick Kay, William McDowell-White, Thon Maker, Brock Modem, and Duop Reith. What are your reactions to that? Anyone you're surprised to see included or anyone you're surprised to see excluded? Look, I think it's, you know, a very talented lineup. I mean, you're looking at that, um, the number of NBA guys. And, mm. and you know, you could even throw in Brokoff, played in the NBA last year, yeah. um, Thonmaker, some of those guys that are right on the cusp right there. It'll be some interesting choices and see, you know, how, how it all plays out. I mean, there's still a long time, and we still don't actually know if the Olympics are going to go ahead. But mm. I sure hope. They do. I sure hope we're able to get to see a Ben Simmons throw on the Boomers jersey and play with a Patty Mills and a Della Vadova, Dante Exum. I'll be interested to see if Exum, just with his injury history mm. and stuff, if, if he plays. But, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see. If I had to say the two probably NBL players that uh, have the best chance... I'm going to say Golding and Jock Landale and maybe throw Mitch Creek in there. But it's going to be a tough team to crack. So the, the ones that do make it are uh, are going to have to be exceptional. And, um, you know, that's going to be a fun uh, training camp and I'm sure highly competitive to see uh, how it plays out. A couple of quick questions. Why do you think Nathan Sobey and Daniel Johnson didn't didn't make the cut? That's a, it's, yeah, it is an interesting one. I, I can't answer that. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at, you know, a Mitch Norton that's thrown in there is, you know, does he fit, you know, he might play a little bit more of a defensive role. So maybe they're looking at a guy that's similar to what Damo um, made. But, uh, you know, there's always going to be one or two guys that miss out. And obviously in this lineup as well, you, uh, you're you going to have guys that pull out. So there possibly will be other – and then you throw in a Bryce Cotton potentially. Mm-hmm. If he gets his citizenship, does he he factor in – You know, I've heard some people, some of the experts say they think Bryce Cotton could be a starter, let alone yeah. make the team. So that will be an interesting one if they, if they throw him into the mix. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think Sobe definitely has a uh, – you know, he might have more of a case than, say, Mitch McCarron. So I'm, I'm interested that he isn't in there at the moment. But, you know, as, as I understand it, you know, this is just the initial list. It's not like this mm-hmm. is the only people that can be thrown in there. So, um, you know, I think that those guys would be in the next in line if, if someone pulls out. And just finally, is Bryce an automatic inclusion in the final 12 or 13 if he's available? I think so. I mean, I, I you know, I tell, tell people this all the time. You're not going to find a more skilled player, certainly in the NBL, but there, there's very few that are more skilled even in the NBA than Bryce yeah. Cotton. I mean, it, some of the shots he makes is pretty incredible. I mean, it's probably his lack of, of height is probably the only thing that might stop him from being in the NBA, but he's an NBA player. Um, I don't, if he had the opportunity. So I think, you know, he just brings a different, something to the team that probably they don't have from from other players. He's kind of like a Patty Mills. So, I mean, you can imagine Patty Mills and mm. Bryce Cotton out there running the one-two. That would be an exciting, Absolutely. you know, as much as I love Matthew Della Vadova and, and the toughness that he brings, but those two guys are just flat-out elite shooters. So, yeah. um, that would be that would be fun to watch. And then you have Ben Simmons to help find them, find them some shots too. I mean, there's just so many possibilities there, which is which is very exciting. Last one on it. What percentage would you give the Olympics of going ahead this year, do you think, right now? I think it's going to be really tough. Mm. Uh, I mean, just thinking about my time in the Olympic Village, I mean, thousands and thousands. I, I don't know mm. the exact number, but I want to, I want to say fifteen to 20,000 athletes in an Olympic Village. I mean, yeah. 
in the middle of a pandemic um, coming from all over the world. It's just, uh, I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, You know, they're going to explore every scenario, but I think it is going to be tough to put that on. So, but let's hope they do figure out a way and and possibly maybe the vaccine that's, uh, that has come out now and and a lot of countries have been approved that uh, might help the case. Yeah, let's hope so. Okay. It's been a big show, Sean, just quickly. If you haven't had a chance to listen, we had a chance to catch up with Adam Gibson as well for our bon- our first bonus show of this year here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Fascinating chat with Gibbo, the most experienced player in the NBL right now. Now, aside from Steve Nash, Sean, who's still right on top of our list, we're going to try to bring as many of these bonus shows as we can to our listeners this season. Who jumps out at you that you might like to speak to? Who would you like to, to catch up with this year and, and provide some of these bonus shows with? Well, I think I think one of the the tops on the list would be Brian Gorgian. I mean, we're yeah. just talking about the Boomer Squad announcement. We could we could ask him about Sobe, um, ask him about the start of the Hawks, ask him about uh, you know, are they going to get the Illawarra Wollongong name back? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to to talk about, and just you know, I'm fascinated about his stories from China as well. It's been mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's he's done quite well over there, but anyone that's visited Chana, it's a different environment. So I'm sure he's got some great stories from from his time over there as well. He's the one that jumped out at me. I wanna I wanna hear you catch up with him as well. He was your coach at the Olympics to make that dream come true for you. So I'm really looking forward to making making that happen this year here on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle. And of course, thanks to Hoop Seven for making this show possible. And thanks to Tab Touch for bringing our preview and our our tipping segment to you and our newest partner, get jumping on board with the Demo Award, Boomerang. So thanks to Dion D'Agostino and his team there for, for for making this show possible and for for helping us grow and to bring bring the three Perth Wildcats NBL legends to you every week. That I'm now blessed to to be to be calling my partners here on here on the show. So I'm Chris Pike. I'll wrap it up and look forward to round four in the NBL. And I'll leave you with the wise words of the scoring machine. Well, now that the Boomer squad has been announced, I'll be interested to see how these guys play against the Hawks. You know, it was always an interesting one when um, Lamontis was playing against guys trying to make his squad. So uh, let's look at the performances of these Boomer squad NBL players when they play against the Hawks, see if they raise their game a little bit more uh, and have a little bit more incentive to try and get into possibly one of the toughest teams we've ever had to make here in Australia in this this Olympic team. So uh, it'd be fascinating stories all around, but uh, I'm looking forward to see how these guys match up against the Hawks this year.